Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. I'm your host, Ron Huntley. I hope you're having a holy Lent. Today, we're going to wrestle with the question, is there a difference between being a prophet and prophecy? How do we individually and collectively hear the will of God for our lives, our families, our businesses, and our churches? Kath Livesey from the UK works with individuals and churches to bring the prophetic charism to life. I know you're going to learn a lot today. Enjoy the episode. Lift off and the clock has started. In my time in leadership coaching with churches in different parts of the world, APEST, uh, the 5Q uh, tool that is used to help people understand Ephesians chapter 4, when it says Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I find prophecy is one that is hard to understand. And there are so many people that I coach, whether they're pastors or or people on leadership teams who have that gift. And there's so many common experiences they have. But where do you go to get discipled if you're a person who has the charism prophecy? Well, today's guest, Kath Livesey, is a person who started a ministry called Accessible Prophecy. And Kath, I am so excited to start talking about this topic. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. It is a real joy and pleasure to be on the podcast today. Can you share with us a little bit about what your ministry is and what drew you to start it? Sure. Well, in, in a nutshell, our ministry, it, it's twofold. It's a passion to help every single follower of Jesus, every Christian, learn how to listen to his voice, learn how to tune in to the things that God is saying to us. Um, so we're really passionate about that and we do that through all sorts of coaching and training and discipleship the the second part of it is to work with every possible kind of church every flavor every stream of church and enable the church itself to develop a, a healthy holistic mature prophetic culture so yeah we work with both the individual and the church, we work with just normal everyday Christians, we work with church leaders, um, organizational leaders. But at the end of the day, it's yeah, I, I guess it's based around the image that we find in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. And I think that is a promise that resonates down the centuries, that is alive and well today. And just seeing, you know, whether you are an, a new Christian, whether you're 15 years old, eight years old, whether you're a leader, whether you're in business, you know, whatever, whoever you are, seeing yourself as, yeah, I'm just a sheep in Jesus's flock and he's teaching me how to hear his voice and how to follow his voice. I think that's to everybody. So that's what Kath, we'd love to do. Kath, when you say that, you know, I know so many people. It's like, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I've been going to church my whole life, but I don't even like hear his voice. Like, of course I can't. 
I'm not a priest. I'm not, you know, it's like, it's not, it's literally not even an expectation on a list of maybe wishes for. And, and you're so right. Like he wants us to hear his voice. I, I remember years ago hanging out with my buddy who's in a rock band and I wanted to be a rock star too. And so I bought a guitar and I didn't know how to play it. And I never really did get very good at it. And what ended up happening was I couldn't tune the guitar. But they would know when it was in tune. It's like, how do you know when the guitar's in tune? I can't hear what you hear. But after I spent a ton of time with them, and again, trying to learn some chords and do a few things, I'll never forget the first time I realized my guitar was out of tune. I didn't even know it was out of tune. And then when I tuned it myself, because I had developed over time an ear for those notes. But I have to be honest, at the beginning, I thought this is impossible. I will never be able to do that. And I'm not so sure there aren't a lot of people listening today saying, Kath, that's great, but that could never happen to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are many, many people who just disqualify themselves from this key aspect of our faith, key aspect of discipleship, key aspect of our journey with God. And I think the tuning a guitar is a great um, picture. I, I sometimes talk about one of those old fashioned radio sets. I grew up with one of these in my home where there's rather than just pressing a button, you, you had a dial to turn. And sometimes you were looking for a particular station and you had to really know the knack of tuning into that station. I think, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of issues that we can reflect on today I, I think it's worthwhile stating at the start that there's so much in today's culture and society the way we live our lives today that actually conspire to stop us tuning into God's voice you know we're our world is full of noise it's full of chatter it's very very hard even to just find five minutes of quiet <laughs> I'm speaking as somebody so I'm, I'm 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 in the UK and we're in our third lockdown and I've got a house full I've got grown-up children who've come back to live with mum and dad for, for, for lockdown so <laughs> I crave an empty house I crave and you're an introvert I'm, and I'm an introvert so I know what it's like to crave just five minutes of quiet but yeah we you know we're, we're bombarded with with other voices we you know we're addicted to our phones to the internet to twitter to facebook there are so many voices out there so i think there's something about just recognizing that it, yeah that there are things that we have to overcome there are adjustments we have to make and the place i always start is around who we really are and who god really is so we uh, it, a really good place to start is on our covenant identity as beloved children of God. And when we sit and really think about that, when we meditate on our identity, the Bible's very clear, the New Testament's very clear that we're adopted as sons and daughters of God. When we really think about that, think about the fact that we have a heavenly father who loves us, who's passionate about us, who, you know, he's the great communicator, he's not a silent, distant father. He's a father who has great things to say to his children, who can't wait <laughs> to, to grab hold of them and tell them all these wonderful things he wants to say. 
when we allow our minds to actually make that shift, yeah, I'm a beloved child of God. I've got a heavenly father who's got wonderful things to say to me. I think that's really, really helpful. And, you know, the Bible's really clear that the promise for the new covenant people of God is unrestricted access to the father's presence to the father's voice through the holy spirit but we have to change our way of thinking and i, I sometimes use a, a little framework of, of moving from thinking like an orphan to thinking like a beloved son or daughter so so an orphan would think I've, I've got to strive to hear this voice you know i've, I've got to earn my way i've got to work my way I've got to um, make God be pleased with me in order for him to speak. Whereas somebody who's really settled and rested in their identity as beloved child, um, their way of thinking is much more, well, of course, my good father wants to speak to me. You know, he's got wonderful things to say. I, I don't have to work to try and please him. I can just rest in his love and sit and hear his voice so I think that that really fundamental piece about who we are and who God is is very much the first step so of course in all our coaching and training that's mm. where we always start when for, for our listeners who might not be as familiar with the the definitions that that they use uh through APEST um how define for us your understanding of what is the prophetic mm. sure sure um, I I am in the middle of writing a book on this. <laughs> so, <laughs> you so let that, me know as soon as you're yeah, done. Yeah, I, 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 I will let you know. Yeah, so I, I think when we open up Ephesians chapter four, we we see first of all that Jesus has given these incredible people gifts to His church. These are gifts of Christ to the church: the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So there's very much an element of personal identity and I like the way I like to put it is that we're we're all wired in one of these five ways so I'm primarily wired prophetically that's my leading beat that's going to shape the way I think the way I look at the world I've got friends who are wired in different ways and there's lots and lots I can learn from them but there's something about yeah this is how I'm wired um so I think that's the first way we can look at APES but I think another way we can look at it is it says is a more of a big picture view where we see this uh, from a church-wide perspective and look at how every church in fact the whole body of Christ is called to be an apostolic body, a prophetic body, a evangelistic body, etc., etc. So I've spent a lot of time thinking around what does it mean for us to be a prophetic church. Um, so yeah, it's the, the individual calling as as a prophet, and then the question of what it means to be a prophetic church. In 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 terms of the prophet, first of all. So what, what does it look like to be wired in this way? I, I, one of my favourite ways to, to make sense of, of, the, of that prophetic calling is that prophets have this passion for the heart of God. 
and they they're always wanting to draw people back to a stronger and deeper relationship with God they're incredibly God orientated I mean yeah everybody every follower of Christ is like that but for the for the prophet that's the number one question when they walk into a room when they're sat in a meeting how can we just turn the conversation back to God what what does God want to say about this what's God's heart for this situation and so so that perspective that that instinct to always be drawing people closer deeper into that covenant relationship is is really really strong and I think alongside that the the prophet um as well as being wired for for the worship so you know, you know bringing people back to God back into God's presence so that they can see God more clearly and worship him the prophet is also wired for warfare so there's something about the prophetic wiring that wants to question that wants to critique that wants to challenge the state world that wants to speak truth to power uh, that wants to shake things up <laughs> now there's a very mature and humble and christ-like way of doing that but you can start to see how for an undiscipled prophet that might not always be such a comfortable gift to live with so i think that, that's, <laughs> that's very, very, very delicately said yeah yeah <laughs> that's why i love discipling prophets and then just to um so a, a question that i get at time and time again is what's the difference between what the New Testament would call the gift of prophecy and the prophet. <laughs> so mm, yeah, just to yeah. unpack that slightly. So Please. in, you know, particularly in Paul's letters in, in 1 Corinthians, for example, we see him writing very clearly about this thing, this, this gift of prophecy, this, yeah. Um, so for, for example, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift prophecy so this is something for us all to desire to pursue it's not just for the strange slightly weird prophets but this is something for ev everybody yes um but it the new testament also makes it makes it clear that there is a particular type of person called a prophet so how how do we make sense of those two things this gift of prophecy that we're all supposed to pursue but the fact that there's there's a little group of people alongside the apostles and evangelists and shepherds and teachers who are called prophets. And so for, for me, the, the gift of prophecy, that is something that's available to every Christian. It's the ability to hear God, both for ourselves and but particularly for other people. And Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, when we prophesy, when we use this incredible gift, we're speaking to people for their strengthening, for their encouragement, for their comfort. It's this incredible gift that God has given all of us through his spirit. I absolutely love the gift of prophecy. I, I love having conversations with God where I say, yeah, Lord, who needs a little word of encouragement today? And then I'll just listen and then I'll text somebody. I'm just praying for you today and got the sense that God might want to encourage you with this, you know, perhaps he's reminding me of a verse from scripture or he gives me a little picture, you know, but I think, I think we all have that ability to learn how to encourage others. 
Well, even the first time I met you, there, we have a mutual friend in, in Rich, and he connected us. And I remember the first time I met you, uh, as we talked, I, I don't know if it was the beginning at the end, you said, hey, Ron, I've been praying for you, and I have a word for you. Can I share it with you? And I was so touched. I just thought, of course you can. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, it just really inspired me. So you live this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I always think, you know, those, we, we all have, days that are less good you know we all have bad days grumpy days and I always think you know if I'm in the middle of a bad day how amazing would it be if a friend just texted me messaged me a little word of encouragement straight from the father's heart and it's that type of thinking that really spurs me on to use the gift of prophecy because there are so many people out there who just really, really need that little word of encouragement. So it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. And I think we should be we should be cultivating it. We should be stirring it up inside ourselves. So anyway, that, that's the gift of prophecy. Um, prophets may use the gift of prophecy to call the church back to worship, to presence, to passionate love for Jesus. They may use a gift of prophecy to call the church to shape society, to speak truth to power. So prophets tend to be very familiar with the gift of prophecy. But we can't use the gift of prophecy as the only metric of whether somebody is a prophet or not. And I think that's a mistake that's made, you know, oh, this person is using the gift of prophecy a lot, therefore they must be a prophet. I don't think it always adds. So, this is yeah. really cool. Keep going. This is exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm soaking it all. I'm taking notes like crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And 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 I think as I go on that journey of discipling prophets, I mean, I, I will disciple and coach and train anybody who's interested in whether it's taking those very first baby steps of how on earth do I tune my guitar? How on earth do I tune my radio? How on earth do I tune into the voice of God? You know, we we love. Uh, and we work with people all around the world. We absolutely love, you know, that heart of, I haven't a clue how to do this, yes. but I want to learn. And, you know, we have you know, great <laughs> coaching and training for people like that. But I also love, I have a real heart and passion and compassion for the fivefold prophets, you know. And, and I think it's... I mean, there are challenges associated with all the APES gifts and callings, but I think the church hasn't done a great job at understanding prophets. And I think part of that is we're stuck in an Old Testament mindset. You know, we when we think of prophet, too often we think, well, that's like Jeremiah and I, I, I you know, the other Old Testament prophets. Um, and I think there's loads that we can learn from the Old Testament prophets. I love reading them. But actually, we can't base our calling upon their ministry because at the end of the day, they were operating under a different covenant. You know, we, we are people of the new and better covenant. And so there are important differences. So I think... Yeah, you know, for all these reasons, the church hasn't done a great job of understanding the fivefold prophet. And when we don't understand something, when we don't understand somebody's 
role and calling and ministry, then we might try and control it. We might try and distance ourselves from it. Or we, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, I think many fivefold prophets have been damaged by the church. And then, of course, when you feel damaged, when you feel misunderstood, you just go off and do your own thing. And that's why we end up with unaccountable, you know, fairly destructive prophetic ministries because the people have just gone off and, and done their own thing and they end up with mm. quite a critical voice towards the church. Whereas the true ministry of the fivefold prophet is to work within the church, within the body, deeply embedded in community with a soft heart towards the community and really seeking to build up the church to maturity so yeah that that's why i love working with my for profit and just that, that, might them a, understand. Hmm. that might be a real neat litmus test for people who are listening like who might you know if you haven't done the test yet i will include it in the show notes and if you've been following me this podcast so far you're gonna say sure you are ron you haven't put any show notes up yet i know i'm gonna to get to it but i'm going i'm gonna put the link to that apes test so you can do it and if you find yourself with prophetic uh, I think you're going, you know, what Kath is sharing with us is going to resonate with you. But that whole, one of the things that really struck me, Kath, is you said, you know, God wants us to have, you know, as prophets, a, a soft heart for his church. And if, you're, if your heart has become hard, it's okay. There's probably good reasons for that. But maybe this is a season for a fresh start. Absolutely. For, for a reboot, for, a, for an understanding yourself at a deeper level, and, and also to help other people understand what it means to work with a prophet on the team or in a relationship with a prophet, because, you know, this, what I love about this language, like to your point, it, it helps us to grow in self-awareness and self-discovery. And, and then but we can also help others understand us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's having the language Yeah, I'm a real firm believer that language shapes and creates culture. And, and if we are going to create a healthy prophetic culture in our parishes, in our churches, in our organisations, then we have to be yeah, sensitive to the language we use. And I work with churches where actually we don't use the P word. <laughs> you know, okay, we, yeah. we, we don't talk about prophet. We don't talk about prophecy. Instead, we would shape the conversation much more around listening prayer or listening culture. And yeah, there are plenty of contexts where, where that kind of language works better. I, I think, mm. and, and this is one of the conversations I have with prophets that I'm you know, working with, Learning the skills of communication as a prophet are absolutely key. Mm. And as a prophet, you're, you're so aware of God's truth, of God's reality, of the gap between all that is good and glorious in God's presence and all that's broken and damaged in the world. And you, yes. you know, Jeremiah talks about the fire in the in your bones. And yeah, there's everything in you that just wants to shout and rage and, you know, be angry and pick an argument. But maturity is actually learning the skills of communication, um, learning that soft voice. And this is where Apest is brilliant, you know, having that fivefold perspective because the prophet 
needs to come alongside the shepherd and say, teach me how to love the church. The prophet needs to come alongside the teachers and say, teach me how to communicate truth to the church. You know, using the evangelists, how do I, how do I win people over in a Christ-like way? etc etc so you know we we never want to be a siloed ministry we need the whole fivefold for maturity so oh i'm getting so excited <laughs> like oh my gosh honestly because i so many of the prophets that i and i'm not great like and i hope that through our time together today people will reach out to you who have that prophetic bent because you really do have a heart to come alongside of these people and help. And so I'm not good at that. Like, I don't know how to do that. Kath does. So if you're listening and you're thinking, I need some help, don't come to me, go to Kath. Because, uh, we, because of the, of the people who I know who have the prophetic gift after doing APEST and coaching into them, there are very few of them that aren't deeply wounded because they feel misunderstood and cast aside, whether it's through by their priest or whether it's a priest by their bishop. And there's this loneliness and it breaks my heart because when one of the beauties of coaching is I get to know people and there are very few people, if you get to know their story, you don't fall in love with and appreciate and admire. And I see these great people who are really hurt. Yeah. And, and so that you don't give us joyously you don't give as freely because you it's almost like i don't know how there's this miscommunication between these different natural charisms that if we do this well we'll actually have a bigger impact and we'll have more fun oh gosh there's so much to win here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and just just a quick word about about the hurt the problem with hurt and brokenness you know whatever language we use to describe them is that they end up clouding our ability to to hear god really clearly to see god really clearly and mm. i think the lifelong job of the prophet is to using the metaphor of, of of lenses to keep the lenses of your heart really clear you know really unbroken and yeah if we don't do that they we end up I don't like to use words like false prophet but we will end up unable to clearly discern what God is saying so yeah it's mm -hmm. not a pretty picture Kath, one of the things that, as I remember the doing the, the APEST assessment the first time, it was so helpful for me. I realized teaching is really low on my, and, and, and in my role in, in leadership at St. Benedict Parish, I wasn't helping the teachers as much as I could have and should have because I'm an apostle evangelist. And so I could, I can, I can, and naturally able to bring people together around an idea. And, and, and they needed my help. And I didn't know that. I just mm. thought, well, if I can do it, you can do it. So why don't you just do it? Because teaching is a great idea. Why don't you just go get some people? And it's like, well, actually, they needed help. But when, when one of the people on my team, I, they had prof prophetic as one of their charisms. And I'm thinking, and then as I learned about it, I thought, oh, my gosh, you do that all the time to me. And they laughed, too, because they knew they did it all the time, too, but they didn't know why. And so it gave them a language. And we were able to laugh about it. But I have to be honest. 
I, they would often see things or experience injustice within the team before I did. I wouldn't see it. I'm looking at goals. I'm looking at building things. I'm looking at bringing more people in. And they would be seeing the injustice and they would come to me. Complaining would be a, a, a wrong word, but they would make me aware very strongly. And, and they had a strong sense of justice. But what was so helpful for me is when I realized that that's what that looked like, because they were right almost every single time. Like they were, I don't know of a single time that that particular person was wrong. I just wasn't ready to see it yet. And so thankfully we had a lot of respect for each other. And so I, I would process it and consider it. But then when I knew that that was, there was, she was a prophet, it's like, well then, no, I'm going to just hit full stop now and I'm going to force myself to consider what they're bringing to me. It just helped me to cooperate. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of what the prophet brings to any team is this deep concern for the health of the body, health of the team, health of the you know, organization, whatever it is. Um, we have this phrase i don't know if this translates over the atlantic into canadian and american culture but we we talk about the care the canary in the coal mine oh yes know. we're familiar yeah. with that yeah. yes okay yeah. great yeah and um, this idea that the miners used to take you know these poor little birds into the coal mine and if there was gas yeah, they'd be know, the first to go yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. be the first to go and i think profit have that in them that they just sniff out any yeah injustice any any aspects where we're not properly aligned with with the heart of god you know any whether it's a lack of authenticity or just when things aren't quite right the prophets are there to yeah speak health and wholeness um so that's yeah just another important part of speak health and wholeness and and what i love and one of my understandings of it and this was really helpful as i reflected on ephesians myself is that we're called to a maturity which if we're called to a maturity then we're called to something from something so the opposite of maturity is immaturity and so i was like right and so there there are mature impacts of all of these charisms and there are immature expressions of all of these and i've been both probably more immature than mature i trying to but it helps me to understand what that looks like and so if you're a person who's listening to this and maybe prophetic isn't your one of your top two charisms, but you're realizing, wait a minute, I think so-and-so in my life might be, how would you encourage them to engage with them to, because maybe they're saying, oh, this is starting to make sense. They're seeing somebody in their life, maybe through a new lens. How would you encourage them to engage, re-engage with that person? Yeah, well, I, I always like to cast vision and to talk about the there's so much more of the kingdom but the, the what could be of the kingdom and i think casting a vision to any prophetic type of person mm -hmm. that within the stuff that, that jesus has planted deep inside them um part of that is the gift to enable the whole church to learn how to hear God's voice and and the what the, the reason I sometimes focus on that is because I think maturity is is a shift of focus 
from, oh, it's all about me and my gift and I'm the one who can hear God. Actually, <laughs> the heart for the whole church. And wouldn't it be amazing if I enabled every single person in my parish, in my church, to do the things that I can do? The things that come naturally to a prophet, what would it look like to multiply that, to start to gather people around them and just pass on the, the simple ways of hearing God? And, and I think that shift from it, me and it's my gift to this could be for everybody, that is a real sign of maturity. And I think, you know, the, the body needs to learn how to hear. Um, if the gift of hearing God just stays with the prophet, we are so vulnerable, aren't we? And Ephesians 4, you know, it talks about being tossed by the waves and vulnerable to, you know, all sorts of different types of teaching. But if the body as a whole, if the church as a whole knows how to hear God, how to discern, how to weigh and test, we're going to be in a so much more healthy place. And you know, there's a lot of talk at the moment, isn't there, about a post-truth culture, about, I was reading an article in the paper last week about we're entering the age of misinformation. And I think the church really needs to rediscover the depth of the prophetic function, the depth of its prophetic identity, so that actually... It's not about just individuals, but we as a Christian community can discern the heart of God. We can hold out his reality, his superior, his ultimate reality to the world and say, you know, this is truth. This is what truth looks like. I just think, yeah, it's about the whole community. It's so funny as I'm hearing you talk, because again, mine, my, I'll get you to list yours, but I'm apostolic, evangelistic, shepherd teacher prophet so that's mine what are yours i'm prophet teacher apostle i i've, I've spent years i've spent decades in a very apostolic culture so the gotcha. apostolic is yeah. really well ingrained in me which is why i can talk with joy about multiplication about yes. growth about movement yes. um but yeah it's prophet teacher apostle neat and so what when you're talking about i've not heard this is the first time i've heard and you're probably going to go, where have you been? But a post-truth culture, like I almost fell on the floor when you just said that, like that just makes my heart heavy, like instantly heavy. The age of misinformation, that scares the life. I've never heard those terms before. As you say them, I see what you're talking about and I'm like, oh my gosh. But my, the evangelist part of me says, oh, that's exciting because now we have something to offer because there is truth and, and man, oh man, we might not have been sure who was telling the truth or, or not, but everybody can agree. We really are in a post-truth culture and an age of misinformation. And as an evangelist, I go, what a great opportunity. <laughs> like now I have yeah. a new product to bring to people to invite <laughs> them into the church. Like I get yeah. really excited, but I couldn't do it without you because, because your passion for that, you're like, it's again, I just want to say, Hey, come, come meet my friend, Kath. And let's do this together. I'll be the inviter. You be the teacher and share this piece. I'll learn with you, but I'm going to go get some more people. Like, that's how I feel. Like, and that's, I think, a little bit of an example for those listening, what it looks like when charisms begin to appreciate each other, 
know who they are, know what lane they work best in, and then work together to do something crazy to build a church and, and to bring the love and the truth of Christ to the world. I absolutely love it when the evangelists and prophets get together. <laughs> uh, it's dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've spent a long time working out how prophets and apostles work together. I'm a prophet married to an apostle. You know, I, some of the most important people in my life are apostles. I've learned to love the apostles. But I think evangelists and prophets, you know, that's the combination that we really need to um, leverage right now. Unleash. Yeah, that is so fun. Let me ask you something. Like, if I was, like, what, what kinds of feedback have you heard from people who have reached out, who have that prophetic charism, and they go, yeah, geez, I didn't know that, took the assessment, I am, yeah, geez, I can relate to this. I'm going to connect with Kath. And, and as they start to go through the training, the discipling, what types of things do you often hear them say? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think people love the depth that, that we take them um, into. So, you know, we, one, one of the um, things that we do, we, we do this year-long coaching with people. It sounds quite, quite a commitment that, but we do. Uh, bi-weekly uh, coaching calls like small cohorts and we take people on this really in-depth journey into yeah prophetic understanding prophetic culture prophetic ministry prophetic lifestyle and it's you know and I'll say the time and time again it's both for profits and non-profits you yes. know it's for the real you know, beginners and people have been doing it for, 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 for decades but yeah it, it, it's about depth and I mean, the, my, my absolute favorite thing to talk about, to teach people, to coach people is about relationship with the Holy Spirit. And just um, a few weeks ago, I was in one of my coaching calls uh, with, with this cohort and, you know, we, we were a few weeks in and we'd got to one of the weeks we do on the Holy Spirit. And one of the lovely people on that call about halfway through, she was like, this is why I'm doing this. This it was like this huge light bulb moment. <laughs> I was talking about how to have a friendship, how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And yeah, this is somebody who's been you know moving in prophetic ministry for a long time, but suddenly it was, wow, yes, I get it now. And and I just love teaching and training. You know, I love inviting people into relationship with the Holy Spirit because. The more I read the Bible, you know, the, the more I read what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, the more I just want everybody to get to know this incredible member of the Trinity. And, you know, in, in John 14, verse 16, as Jesus is introducing his disciples to the Holy Spirit, he uses this incredible word in the, in the Greek. It's Parakletos. I'm not entirely sure that's how you pronounce it. I'm not an expert on New Testament Greek, but it's this incredibly multifaceted word. And depending on what translation of the Bible you've got, it might be translated as friend, as helper, as comforter, as advocate, as counselor. And in this moment, this, you know, uh, John 14, it's it, just before Jesus is going to leave his disciples and go to the cross. 
Um, so it's really, really important teaching uh, that Christ is communicating. And he says to them, basically, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am going to leave you, but it's okay because I'm going to send you the other friend, the other counsellor, the other comforter. I'm back to the father. <laughs> it's, it's been, we've had a great three years. I'm heading back to the father. Got a bit of work to do before I get there, but I'm going back to the father. But this amazing friend, I'm going to send him to you. And the, the Holy Spirit, he is the best possible friend. He's the best possible helper, counsellor, advocate. And, and I think we just need to have a, have a whole shift of mindset about who the Holy Spirit is. You know, that he is not this weird force or power. He's not an it. He's a person. He is the best possible gift that Jesus could have could have left us. And Pentecost, rather than this event 2000 years ago, which has no relevance to us, I think there's a way of actually living in the reality of Pentecost every day. The spirit poured out every day. This is a reality for me every day that, you know, the very best friend is with me. The very best friend is with me every moment of the day. If I've got a problem, if I've got a question, if, if I need help with somebody, I've got the resident genius of heaven by my side. Whether I need to know where my car keys have gone, whether I need to know how to reach out to my neighbour who's going through a really tough time, whether I'd need to know what words to say to my work colleague or how to sort out the problem of homeless in, homelessness in my city, I have got the best possible helper by my side. So, yeah, I, I, that's just one little bit of what I teach people, but that's my favourite Oh, my gosh. I can't stop. My face is getting sore because I'm literally smiling the whole time you're talking. There is no downside to coming into a relationship with Jesus and beginning to walk in holy communion with him the Father and the Holy Spirit, there is, it is, there is no downside. It's all upside and it's free and, and it's there for you and I. My gosh, Kath, it has been a treat spending time with you. I really encourage any of you that are listening, check out AccessibleProphecy.com, learn more about Kath and her ministry. And, and Kath, I know that you had a near brush with Nova Scotia. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, goodness me. So September just gone, I was supposed to be heading out to Nova Scotia to lead a women's retreat and hopefully to do some work with some of the churches there, including your 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 favourite church in Halifax. Uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons, it got cancelled, but we're hoping and praying that I'll be able to get out this September, so September 2021. Yeah, absolutely can't wait to, to visit the place. I've been Googling it. I've been like looking at all the pictures online. So yeah, if, if any of you listening happen to live in that beautiful part of the world, I would love to meet you when I get out there in September. <laughs> that would be great. And what I might do, Kath, as you prepare that to go speak to all the lovely women of Nova Scotia and anybody who wants to travel here to hear you, I might see if we can't snag you and bring you to our church to talk to people because I think a few fellows might like to listen to you as oh, well. Oh, I'd love to do that. I'd absolutely love to do that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. You are a treat. Thank you for the important work you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. I hope today was as helpful for you as it was for me. I'm going to leave the link to that assessment in the show notes below. Just want you to know I don't have any affiliation with that organization whatsoever. I just find the tool so helpful for building teams and growing in self-understanding. Listen, thank you so much for listening, for rating the podcast and sharing it with your friends. That's how it grows. I appreciate you so much. God bless your day. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. <laughs>